All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 18 through 24 tonight. And uh, excited to be preaching and uh, excited about a testimony service this morning. And uh, glad that the Lord can move not only just at camp, but he can move at church. He can move in your house. He can move as you're riding down the road. And he can touch our heart. And that's always exciting to see God work in different areas of our life. I have some notes passed around. If you didn't get notes, you'd raise your hand. My good friend Corbin here is going to get you notes. A couple over there, Corbin, if you don't mind taking care of that for me, that'd be great. Um, the only one mistake on these notes that I see so far is our date's a little wrong. It's supposed to be the 30th. I put the 9th on there because this was when I was supposed to preach a couple of weeks ago when we had our flooding of North Carolina that came through. And so um, if you'll just change that date on there to the 30th, then we should be good. Um, we're talking through, um, I've, I've entitled this series Confidence through First John, and uh, we've talked about our confidence through our fellowship with Jesus, through our confession, through our obedience, and then the last time we talked about God's love and how we can have confidence through God's love. Today we're going to be talking about a confident heart, and as we look through these couple of verses, we're going to see that. And so if you have your Bibles and they're turned, we're going to stand for the reverence of God's Word. And for 1 John 3, verses 18 through 24, we're going to read this. And it says this, it says, My little children, let us not love in the world, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and, are assure, and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Verse 21, Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have not confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another, as he gave us commandment. And last verse 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwell in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Father, we just want to come and thank you for this reading of your word. I pray that you'll help me as I preach your word tonight. That you'll give me um, clarity of thought, give me clarity of mind as I read through the things that you've given me, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. So there's an occasion of one time where the Lord was preparing for his crucifixion, his ascension. And he told his disciples, he said, peace I have, I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, and he made this key phrase here, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. The world cannot give us peace that Jesus Christ can give us. And so as we look through this, as we think about this, our Lord has provided peace for a confident and enjoyable Christian life. Not to say we're not going to have trials, not to say things are going to happen in our life, but while those things are happening, we can have peace in understanding those things in our life. Uh, when Christians feel a lack of peace or assurance in our heart, most of the time it's because of disobedience or rebellion in our heart. When I was a kid and I did things that were wrong that my mom and dad told me I shouldn't do, okay, I didn't want to be around my mom and dad. Because they would knew I was felt guilty, they would see that I did something wrong, okay, I wasn't a good liar, and 
I did not want to be around them because I knew that bad things were going to happen upon me. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about disciplining our children, and Eric talked about the spankings that he had gotten over the years, and I'm up there, and I can relate to the spankings and the discipline that happens when we do things that are wrong. And so we as people, as, as, as young people, and even as adults, we understand that when we do something wrong, there is either rebellion in our heart, there's disobedience, and the Lord has to chasten them or discipline them. And so the Lord also provides peace during those times as well. Um, our assurance or our confidence in our heart as Christians depends upon two things. And this is really important. I didn't put, I didn't put this in your notes, but you can write it down. Um, our confidence of our heart as Christians depends on our relationship and obedience to God. And the second one is our relationship with others. If I am not right with God, my heart or my conscience or the Holy Spirit is going to convict me and tell me that I'm not right with God. As well as if I'm not right with someone else, my heart is going to accuse me and tell me I am not right and I need to go deal with that. Uh, one man said it this way, I don't know who I heard it from, I heard it years ago, but he said, if I am not right horizontally, I will never be right vertically. If I am not right between someone else, then it's not ever going to be okay for me to be right with God, because we have to have a right relationship horizontally. And even Jesus taught it this way in Matthew 5, 23, he said, if a man brings a sacrifice to an altar... And he sits there at the altar and he has this sacrifice prepared and he remembers that he did something wrong to someone. He should leave his sacrifice, go and deal with that thing that he did wrong, and then come back and make his sacrifice. So we have to understand that if we are going to be obedient and have this love as a foundation as we talked about this morning, we have to have a walk of confidence towards God and understand that we have to build that foundation between others, and then we can build that foundation between God. And so as we look through these scriptures, we're going to look at a couple of different things. The first thing I want to look at is in verse 20 and 21, and it says, For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have not confidence before God. And so the first thing I want to look at is obedient Christians have confidence in a powerful God. We have confidence in a powerful God and uh, that talks about there um, sometimes our heart condemns us or it convicts us and I think we've all been under that convicting times where we've done something wrong and the Holy Spirit churned in our heart and said man you've done something wrong and you need to make it right I tell my teenagers it's, it's very hard if I do something wrong for me to go even hours or days without confronting that person or taking care of that thing. When me and my wife, when, when we do something that, that causes a strain in our relationship, I have got to go and deal with that because I want to have a good relationship with my wife. And so ultimately, typically it's my wife won't let me go moments without me apologizing. Uh, but I remember a, a story when we first got married. When we first got married, we were in Idaho and we had gotten a little apartment. It was a two-bedroom apartment. And uh, our bedroom was in the back and the living room was in the front. And I remember she was doing something and it was late at night and it was just getting on my nerves. And finally I'd say, you know what, it was, we were making some argument. I'm sure it wasn't a big deal.
but I said, you know what, I'm just going to go sleep on the couch. And, and so I got up, I grabbed my pillow, and I went and laid on the couch. And for the next 30 minutes, she said, James, James, James. She didn't want to sleep without me. And so uh, she continued over and over again. And that reminded me of how the Holy Spirit is in our life. When we do something wrong, if we're saved and God's in our life, the Holy Spirit's going to continue to bring that to fruition. He's not going to let you go moments without dealing with it. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit does that. And so this is my only point underneath this is God is greater than our hearts. Verse 20, it says that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. His mercy is greater. First um, 1, 1 John 1.9, we talked about this several months ago. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle. I'm sure we've all seen a picture of the tabernacle um, in Sunday school. We saw how it was overlaid in gold and they had the poles where the, the priest would carry. But inside the tabernacle, there were two tablets. Anybody know what those two tablets were? Ten Commandments, yes. All right, so the Ten Commandments were in the, in the, the there were a couple other things, Aaron Rod and a couple other things that were in there, in the, in, the ark, in the tabernacle. But inside this Ark of the Covenant, inside the tabernacle, there was something special that was on top of those Ten Commandments. And it was a solid gold plate as wide as the Ark, and it covered the entire Ark of the Covenant, and it was called the Mercy Seat. And what's cool about the Mercy Seat is that it was on top of the Ten Commandments and it's a reminder to us to know that when we do wrong when we break those Ten Commandments when we lie cheat steal when we do things that are wrong and even as as the priest would come in and they would see those Ten Commandments there they would also see the mercy seat above it and they would say that God's mercy is greater than the commandments God's mercy is greater than my sin and he's going to be able to forget those things. Psalms 103 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Peter had sinned. Peter had messed up after um, Jesus was crucified. And he said, um, he said, I will never deny you, Jesus. And he denied Jesus three times, and even one time it said that he used profane language and, and cussed and denied Jesus. And it said that he went out and he was fishing, and he was away from Jesus. But when Jesus resurrected, he told Mary and he told Martha to go tell the disciples and Peter that I've also risen. Because he wanted to show him that his mercy is greater. And no matter what we do, God's mercy is greater. Even when we're discouraged and we feel unworthy of even being a Christian or even being alive, God's mercy is greater. And he's there to say, I love you and I care about you. His knowledge is greater than anything we can ever imagine. And, and I think about this often and I, I tell people often when I think about this. God knows everything that we're going to do. Good, bad, ugly, everything. And in all those things, he still loves us. He knows everything. When we were in California uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I had a new nickname given to me. It was called Kia. Anybody know what Kia stands for? Besides Pastor Mitch, because he was there. 
Kia stands for know-it-all, all right, K-I-A. And so everything, because I'd been to California before, I'd been to this conference before, and so anytime we'd go somewhere, I would have the knowledge, and I would tell them, hey, this is this. And I was even surprised, because they did some things that were new, but on the way back, and even Jeff Peel and, and Bill and, and Brian that were there, and, and Mitch asked me something, and Jeff goes, you think he doesn't know? Like, he, he knows everything. He's a know-it-all. And we were joking about it. I think they may have been a little serious. Um, but things surprise us. Even though if, if I know everything about a certain era in time, I can read a new book, and it's going to tell me something that maybe I didn't know, or maybe I forgot that I has reminded me of that. But God, nothing surprises him. Nothing can surprise an omniscient, all-knowing, powerful God. And so when he knows that we're going to sin and he still loves us and he still sent his son to die for us, man, that should be encouraging to us to know that his power is so great and that we have confidence through his power. Let's look at the second one. Obedient Christians um, have a confidence in his power. Obedience Christians have confidence in the power of prayer. <clears throat> Obedience towards God and a clear conscience brings about boldness in prayer we have the power of prayer christians we have the power to go before an almighty all-knowing all-powerful god and petition to him the things that we need and want hebrews ten nineteen says having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of jesus christ um, as we look back at the scripture we were talking about verse 22 says and whatever we ask, we will receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And so, a couple of things about prayer. The first one is, I believe that prayer should be concise. Okay? Concise prayer or whatsoever prayer. James 4, 3 says this, Ye ask and ye receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts and so we need a concise prayer that is exactly what we need and exactly what we want so as an illustration here every day I specifically pray for three things when I wake up and I have my morning Bible reading and then I go to the Lord in prayer I ask for three specific things I'm going to share that with you today uh, nothing new nothing like magical that I do uh, but this is just a routine that I do so every day I pray specifically for myself and my family um, I go to the Lord and I ask the Lord that I die to self and that I'm filled with the Spirit. Because I don't want to do anything of myself. I want to do everything of the Spirit and where He leads me. The other thing I pray for for my family and my, myself is Lordship. I don't want to be Lord of my life. I want Him to direct and guide my life through my actions. If I go and I want to go out and, and buy a new car, or if I want to go out and, and do something, is the Lord directing my paths to do that? And so I want to pray for lordship in my life. And then the last one is unfeigned strength or faith that is going to be strong. To stand up for what I believe and to say, as we heard in California, you've offended my God. A man got up and he spoke and he said multiple times he'll have to go to people because they'll say something. He'll say, you offended my God. Amen. To have the strength to stand up and have the faith to stand up to someone, our coworker, our 
family, our friends, and say, man, that person offended God. Are we going to have the strength to do that? So that's the first thing I pray for specifically for myself and my family. The second thing I pray for is I pray specifically for our church family needs. And so what I do is I take out one of our prayer bulletins that I have marked up that we talk about on Sunday. And I mark it down by days. So I don't try to read through the entire thing every day. And so on the day one, I pray for all of our cancer needs and our hospital and our surgery. They sort of flow together. So on Monday, that's what I'll pray for. On Tuesday, I pray for all of our sicknesses, our recovery, and our injuries, because that's a pretty good list in and of itself. So I try to go through that specifically praying for those needs. On, two, on Wednesday, I pray for our bereaved, our homebound, and our military personnel. And I try to go through and by name, I call out these families and call out these people. On the fourth day, on Thursday, I pray for our missions and our ministries that we've got going on. And our fifth day, on Friday, I pray for any other concerns that are listed. And then the last day, on Saturday, um, I pray for our government officials. And that's the reason why we've got them listed here, is because I want you to be calling them out by name. And be calling out our president, our lieutenant governor, our treasurer, all these people that are specific who are leading us. And to be praying for them. And then on Sunday, I pray for any personal needs for me and my family that we may have. And so that's just sort of our specific church family needs that I try to pray for. And then the last thing I do is uh, I pray for our fam my family, myself, our church family, and then I pray for our church leadership. And so this is myself, Pastor Mitch, our deacons, our Sunday school teachers, anyone that's in leadership of our church. I try to take out the church bulletin as best I can. And try to go through and pray for them specifically. Because I believe if we're going to pray, we need to pray with concise whatsoever prayer. Not just God bless the missionaries, but go through and pray for the missions and the things that we have specifically. And so God wants us to do those things because if we, I, I've found out in my life, when I just sit down and I pray without a list, without something specific, my mind starts wandering. My mind starts roaming. I start thinking about the things that I need to do that day. I start thinking about my wife, my kids, and is Brody getting in trouble at school today? Am I going to have to take care of that later? All of a sudden, my mind starts wondering on things that doesn't deal with prayer. And I'm not concise on what God wants me to do. And so I have to bring those in on a list and say, God, be with these things specifically. And so a concise prayer is the first one. I think my battery may have died. The second one, if we can switch this mic, I'll try to stay here. The second one is a condition to prayer. Did my mic die? Y'all hear me or no? Okay, so a condition to prayer. And this is, um, just so you guys can hear me a little better. Um, a condition to prayer is, um, in verse 22, it says, And whatever we ask, we will receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And so we must keep his commandments and please him. Jesus says there's a, a condition to the prayer in our life. He's going to answer our prayer if, it says here, we keep his commandments. And we do the things that are pleasing to him. In uh, John 15, 7 says this, If, we ab if ye abide in me... And in my words abide in you. Ye shall ask, and, it, and ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If we are abiding in Jesus, if we are living in him, whatever we ask, God says he's going to give it to us because we're going to ask the right thing and of the right way. 
but we have to be in him. I like to illustrate it like this. My child, Brody and Jade, we, will, we typically go to the grocery store on Mondays. We go, buy all of our groceries for the whole week. And so we go as a family. It's a fun event. Kids are bouncing off the walls. It's a crazy time. But we like to go as a family just so we're all together. Um, and when we go, Brody will always ask, Dad, can I get a tender egg? How many of you with kids know what a tender egg is? Does anyone here know what a tender egg is? Okay, a couple of kinder eggs. Sorry, kinder egg. I don't even know what they are. All right, but a kinder egg is an egg-shaped object. And on the inside, there is a creamy filling or whatever with some chocolate and a little, like a nougat ball or whatever. And then on the other side, you rip off this little piece of plastic and there's a toy inside of this egg. Okay, so they get a candy and they get a toy. They're like $10 a piece. They're outrageously expensive. And kids want them every single time you go into the store. And so I typically say no. But Brody will always like to ask this. Even when he's pestered his sister the whole way to Walmart. Even when they, as soon as they got home they were fighting and arguing. Then I'll tell this to him. I'll say, Brody, why should I give you something when you've been bad? And he'll look at me and he'll say, you shouldn't. And I'll say, exactly. If you're going to be bad, I'm not going to reward you for being bad. And so as God looks in that, same th- in that same way in our life, why should God do something for us if we're not going to be obeying and listening to his word and listening to his spirit? This is why we should live our lives asking, does this please Jesus? Is what I'm doing right now pleasing to Jesus? Is the actions that I'm taking, is the steps that I'm taking, is what I'm doing right now pleasing to Jesus? And if it's no, then we should stop doing it. But if it's yes, then we should continue to do it because Jesus wants us to please him. All right, so the first thing is a powerful God. The second thing is confidence in the power of prayer. And the third thing is an obedient Christian must have or has confidence in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So an obedient Christian has confidence in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is in verse 23 and verse 24. It says, and and this is his commandment that we should believe in his name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he commanded us. Now the one who keeps his commandment remains in him and he in him. and And by this we know that he remains in us through the Spirit whom he hath given us. The Holy Spirit bears witness in our heart. It allows us to know what is right and what is wrong. It allows us to comprehend um, exactly what we should do. And in today's day and age, the word spirit, if you go up to someone and you just mention the word spirit, they're not going to think of the Holy Spirit. And so I did a little, little Google research here of a New Age community, and I found a community in Sonoma, Arizona. Anybody know where Sonoma, Arizona is? Anybody been to Arizona? Anybody, have been, have anybody ever seen a map of the United States? Okay, we're seeing some more hands. We're good. We're there. All right, so Arizona, Sonoma, Arizona, there's a New Age community, and this is their tagline. It says, a place to have harmony with the spirits of the world. All right, so that sounds like it's pretty exciting, right? The Holy Spirit's going to be there. We're going to be able to connect with it. So this is, if you look up Yelp or Yellow Pages, it used to be Yellow Pages, right? You used to go to Yellow Pages and you'd look up. But now it's Yelp and Google Reviews. And so if you go to those things, this is the listings of the spirits 
that you can get there, all right? Psych, um, psychiatrists, spiritual counseling, medicine card readings, aurora photography, astrology, rapid eye technology, hypotherapics, um, shamanic healing readings, I'm sorry, shamanic healing, paraphysiology, lymphatic manipulations, crystal readings, aurora cleansings, reflexionology, and sensory de deprivation tank floating. So those are the spirits that they're advertising that they'll get you there if you go to this place in Sonoma, Arizona. And so when we talk of the spirit, people don't think of the Holy Spirit nowadays. They think of this. They think of these weird satanic substitutions for the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying there's something wrong with going to a therapist or going to someone to get counseling. But when you go to a counselor more than you go to God, there's probably a problem there. And when you say, well, I've got to talk to my counselor before I do this, but you're not going to say, I've got to talk to God before I do this, and there's a big problem in our life. And so we as Christians have to understand that there are Satan substitutes for everything, for prayer and for the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the next verse of this scripture, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There are many false things out there, and we must know what is right and what is wrong. But before you know that, you have to know the presence of the Holy Spirit. You have to know what His Spirit is. And you have to know what He wants of us, what God wants of us through His Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, there's two simple things. The first one is, and this is very simple, we've got to believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. If you truly want confidence in a relationship with God, we have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. In verse John 3, 16, very familiar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. We have to believe. It doesn't matter how many rocks you worship, how many crystals you collect, how many times you go to reflection sensory deparation tanks that you float in. If you do not believe in Jesus, you are condemned without Christ. And we have to have the Son of God in our life. We have to believe in His power. We have to believe that He is there for us and have confidence in Him. The second thing, and this goes along with the first one, is if we believe on the Son, then we receive the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 9 says this, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so we understand that the Holy Spirit comes into our life, and when we realize those things, we realize that we can have a confident Christian life because of this verse in the next chapter, verses four, chapter 4, verse 4. You're of God, little children, and you have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can have confidence in Jesus because God is greater than anything in this world. He's greater than any of the satanic oppressions. He's greater than any um, 
worries that we have, any doubts that we have, God is greater than those things. One of the greatest um, statements that I heard this past week when we were at camp two weeks ago was I went to the class on doubt because I know a lot of teenagers doubt things and doubt the existence of God. And uh, one of the things that the guy said, he said, doubt is not unbelief. Doubt is struggling to believe. I thought that was very important because he said unbelief is unbelief. If you don't believe something, then, then if I don't believe this cup is here, then I'm just, I don't believe it. It's unbelief. But if you are doubting something, then you're struggling to believe in it, which means you're on the right path. And he says, as someone who likes math, I like math, sometimes I struggle with certain concepts in math. Have any of you struggled with concepts in math? They're pretty hard sometimes. Okay, does that mean you don't believe in math? You believe that math is true and that 2 plus 2 equals 4. And so you're doubting that A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You're trying to figure out how that works. And so you're struggling to actually understand the Pythagorean theorem. And so you're doubting that concept, which means you're struggling to believe in it. And so when we doubt God, we're struggling to believe. And that's where God comes in. He says, if you believe, I'm going to give you a confident Christian walk. I'm going to give you a confident Christian life. And so as we close in prayer, I want to mention three things just very briefly recap. We have a powerful God, we have power in prayer, and we have the person of the Holy Spirit. There may be something in those areas where like, man, I've really struggled lately in understanding God's power. And we've seen God's working in many people in our life in our church lately. But maybe it's, you know, I've struggled in the area of prayer. Maybe I haven't prayed the way I should be praying. And, or maybe it's, you know, we just are going through life, not even asking the spirit to lead us. And so we have to get to the point where we say, God, direct my paths and help me to live godly and live righteously so that I can have a confident life because God wants us to have confidence. As he said in that verse, um, verse 22, I believe it is verse 21, um, but we shall have um, confidence. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart condemn us, then we have the, then we have confidence towards God. We have to have confidence towards God to have a confident Christian life. So I'm going to pray for us. Let you out a couple minutes early on this summer, beautiful summer, rainy day, and uh, we'll go home and enjoy some fellowship. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to open these thoughts and look through these verses. I pray, Father, that you'll help us to um, understand that you're powerful. Understand that we must have prayer in our life in order to have a confident life. And ultimately, Lord, help us to trust in the Spirit's leading and the Spirit's guiding in our life. We love you so much, Father. I pray that you help us as we go out in your name. We pray. Amen. You are dismissed.